Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. That's ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Again, that's ebaymotors.com. This interview is brought to you by nordvpn.com slash Fightful. Check out region blocked shows. Get pay-per-views at a bit of a better price. Avoid price discrimination. All that good stuff with nordvpn.com slash Fightful. You can also use the code Fightful. Browse more securely. It's a good time. A lot of times I'm traveling and I realize, oh, I need to watch SmackDown. Unless I'm watching it live on a hotel TV, it's going to tell me that I'm out of my home area on YouTube TV. But fortunately, NordVPN.com slash Fightful has rectified that problem. Get 70% off plus an additional month free, and it's all backed with their 30-day money-back guarantee. So you got nothing to lose. NordVPN.com slash Fightful. Use that code Fightful. Hit them up on Twitter at NordVPN. Let them know you heard about them from us. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp, Fightful.com. Here with a name you know. You know him as Scotty Too Hotty. You're going to get to know him more as Scott Garland. Man, you've got a lot going on, my friend. How you doing? A little bit. Hello. I'm great, dude. Thanks for having me on, man. It was exciting. It is exciting. Uh, as we film this, uh, full disclosure, we're filming this ahead of a match that you've got with Joey Janela, but... My God, you've had such a, a wild past couple of months to to even get here. Yeah, it's been crazy, dude. Like, uh, if you told me this is where I would be even a year ago or six months ago, I'd be like, "This, this is, uh, it's insane." Uh, you know, it was, uh, it was a, um, it wasn't an easy decision, right, to leave the largest wrestling company in the history of the world, right, and a guaranteed paycheck every week. But um, the everything since I did it has been a hundred percent positive and the reaction and um, the feedback, everything has been like, made me feel like I've done the right thing. So uh, I did. I'm so excited for, you know, 2022 and the opportunity to get back out there and have some fun again. And uh, this will be your first match back, correct? It is my first match. It wasn't my first match. Wasn't supposed to be until the 21st and the 22nd in the Carolinas for uh, big time. And, and then uh, I was just supposed to, originally I was just going to do an appearance at GCW and I said, wow, we think it'd be better. We'd get more out of it if we did a match. So I was training to come, you know, for the 21st and 22nd. And then all of a sudden, I think it was like last week or maybe 10 uh, or okay. seven or 10 days before the match, uh, it, it, it changed. So I had to like fast track my training and try to get my cardio up and try to get in a ring to get a little bit of timing back. So it's been a whirlwind of a couple of weeks. Also, I mean, you mentioned being in the top wrestling company. GCW is the top independent promotion. So it's like if they want to put you in a featured spot to wrestle, like how do you pass on that given given what it's, you just came from? 
especially with a guy like Joey Janela, right? Like who gets it, who's entertaining, who's, uh, you know, brilliant with what he does and marketing himself. And I mean, he's, here's a guy, like, he's a guy that I can go like him, guys like him, Matt Cardona are played into why I left. Like I'm seeing these guys, the whole landscape of independent wrestling has changed in the last five, five to six years since I've been out of it. Uh, they're self-promoting themselves and they're using, you know, social media and all these different avenues to be their own promoter. And I'm like, dude, I, I can, that looks like blast to me, you know? So um, I, I think Joey is like the perfect um, opponent and, uh, perf- and GCW is a perfect first company back. And like you said, like, how do you pass up um, having that be on January 1st of 22, you know, like how it all, it's just like a perfect storm. So when you uh, approached WWE and said, I'm finishing up, like, was it an immediate thing? Was it a, a giving them notice thing? How does that work out and, and how do they respond? No, it was, um, it was an immediate thing. It, well, it was, it was building over maybe the last six months. It all started during the pandemic, you know, and everything started to change. And then more, more so over the last six months, um, I started to have different thoughts come into my mind. I saw, People outside of WWE, independent-wise, AEW-wise, um, international-wise, out there having fun, and uh, I just wasn't having fun anymore. And uh, I had great thirty, you know, thirty years uh, working for them, and I'm so thankful for everything they did for me. And they gave me a platform. And I mean, you and I probably wouldn't even be talking if it wasn't for my time, there, right? So, and that's what I say. Like, I have to be thankful for that, but I just wasn't having fun there anymore. I would be driving to work at the performance center uh, every day. And I just almost my knots and my stomach in knots. And, you know, I blame it a lot, a lot of it on the pandemic. And, you know, that, because that started, uh, which, which seems like it started the releases, you know, and all of these people that I had coached and been friends with, and, you know, some of them became like my kids and all of a sudden they're getting released and I'm finding out about it on Twitter, you know, like I'm their coach. I'm encouraged to so, build yeah, a relationship. You, you, like I, I would get the heads up. I was the person who reported a lot of these releases yeah. and I, would Dude, I was get, finding out from you. I would, yeah, I would get the, the thing. And then I would message some of my friends that worked at the performance center. Now, granted, I, I didn't know you before this, and they they would send me question marks back. That yeah. can't feel good. No, especially, I mean, I would literally be sitting in class with somebody, and then three hours later, you know, and I'm like, there was one person in particular I'm having a heart-to-heart talk with, and I've earned that person's trust over the last couple of years, and I'm giving them the best advice I can, and then three hours later, my buddy from Nashville text me and he says hey uh, looks like releases are happening again so i jump on twitter and i see this person was just released like i always said like i don't want to know i don't ever want to know that one of my talent was was getting released before they know but i felt like i the coaches uh uh um deserve the respect of being told as soon as the talent knows i shouldn't be finding out on twitter you know and that was really my biggest beef if anything like come on man like give me give me a little bit of respect give me a heads up before i'm finding out on twitter and it kind of goes back to the same thing as you know a guy like otis and tucker who i had worked with and you know dude when otis came to me and asked me if he could do the worm and i told him to hold off go out there get over first and then add the worm in and that's what he did you know heavy machinery went out there they had maybe six months they started to get over and i I pulled him aside when they said hey go ahead, add the worm in now. So he started doing the worm. So I had to, and I had this relationship with him and I love the dude 
I find out that they're going to Raw watching the show with everybody else. I'm like, dude, like, come on, man. Like, so that's my, just, just is a bit of a lack of communication there. And, and I understand it's a big machine. It's running a hundred miles an hour and they're probably not worried about my feelings. Sure. You know, and it's just an oversight. I don't believe it's a deliberate thing. It's just an oversight. You know, there were a couple of, of situations over the last year that really stood out to me like that. Like a, a guy now, Steve Macklin, he was Steve Cutler. He spent all those years in the performance center. He was well-liked. He worked hard. Unfortunately, some things out of his control got him taken off TV. And then yep. I had heard when when I reached out to him, he was he actually volunteered to come into the big man class, bump around for them, and he found out he was fired as he left doing that. Like then yeah. Roderick Strong re-signs with WWE under the impression he's going to be working with his wife and Diamond Mine. Instead, she's fired. Like and right. They yeah. they don't know what to expect. It, like how how did you feel when situations like that happen? Because this clearly was a far cry from a couple of years ago where nobody was getting fired. Right, nobody. And you know maybe it was necessary. I mean, if if you go like I heard recently, like what 181 people since the pandemic started. Yeah. That's a lot of people that weren't being used. Maybe so I do I understand it to it from a business perspective. Um, if you have a lot of you know people that you're not doing with. Uh, anything with you, you do have to just kind of let go and that's part of what we do but um at the same time uh just give us a heads up you know just a little bit of, bit of a heads up and uh a guy like macklin dude like him, both him and wesley blake two of the best like like two of the best there we used to we used to open the nxt a lot of the nxt road shows with street profits versus uh, Forgotten Sons, Blake, Blake, Blake and Cutler, yeah. Forgotten Sons. Like it was a perfect opening match, and they understood how to go out there and work an opening match. And and those are guys that you could really use right now, in my opinion. When you have so many green people you, that you're throwing out there, and you when, once you start putting green versus green, it gets a little bit scary and dangerous, especially when it's on live television. As you see that roster grow, especially in NXT and the Performance Center, did you have any idea that stuff like this would happen? Because it was very clear, like they were in a talent hoarding mode because they were being competitive with ROH and New Japan, then AEW. I would hear stories like Kushida had been there months, didn't even have his locker yet. Like, and, yeah. and that was shocking to some people. Could did you did you see like a bubble that was going to burst, or did you think, well, they're just holding on to talent because they're they're competing? It just felt like they're whole. I didn't even I don't even know if it felt like they were competing. It just felt like there there wasn't a lot of didn't feel like there was a lot of dead weight. It felt like there was some and then yeah. there had to be a shakeup because a lot of people were maybe taking it for granted and not putting in the work that they needed to put in. And they got a little bit too comfortable. Um, but um, who knew that it would come to this, right? It was just kind of like so many, like, I mean, like if you, if, if that, if that number is right, 181 or whatever, it's somewhere how right many, there, yeah. that's like, dude, you could start three companies with that. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, like, but it's such a great time in wrestling right now. All of those people, if they genuinely love this, will land on their feet. And it, it should be motivation, as it was to me. Like, yeah, it was my choice to leave, but I was like, man, it looks like fun out there. Yeah. Like, I want to, I want to go out there and be a part of that. But in order to do that, I'm going to have to take a, take a gamble and ask for my release and go on my own. That was one of my biggest regrets of. Uh, uh, my career was I, I, I re-signed in 2007 as when I was still wrestling there I mean I'm sorry 2006 and then I was a three-year contract a year in I had a back injury ended up getting released in 2007 
I always regretted signing that contract and not walking away in 2006 when I was just, I was kind of done. I wasn't having yeah. fun at that point. And so I said, I'm never going to let that happen again. And I was kind of at the same point as a coach and there are other options out there, you know, not, not just talking about AEW, like, yeah, they look like they're having a blast over there, but like I said, like Cardona and, and, and Joey Janela and, and all these different in the independent talent and, and companies out there having I mean, fun. Too Cold Scorpio just got announced for an ROH world title match against Jonathan Gresham. And like, I'm so stoked for that. I walked into a black label pro show, not knowing who was on the card Two Cold Scorpios wrestling Kurt Stallion, and I'm like, I didn't even know that I needed this match. And How cool is that, right? Like that's that's independent wrestling today, and I think right. it's I think it's magnificent. And I'm still watching Scorpio do like moonsaults and stuff like that, which yeah, yeah. makes me happy. I know a lot of people like when when you say I had a great 30 years with WWE, they go, wait, he was around 30 years ago, and there's a whole <laughs> lot of people that like I remember when you're wrestling the Berserker on Superstars. Right. I remember yeah. that stuff, but there are specifically some matches I think that people don't know a lot about. Specifically, you did a couple of dark matches with Taz and Sabu, like right. well, well before many people had any idea who they were. What What do you yeah. remember about the process of those two matches? Because it was very clearly WWE getting a look at these couple of people, and they had an incredible amount of confidence in you. Yeah, and it, well, so I think I I think I, I was smart enough at that point to realize. I don't want to say smart enough, but I understood that if they're using me in this role for these guys multiple times, and you know, those are just the two that come to mind, right? That, that they, they must have something. They must yes. see something in me, right? I'm, if I'm their go-to guy, I'm not, I'm not under contract. They're flying me to uh, Quebec to do live events because I can't remember. Marty Gennetti or somebody was injured. So last minute I get called to go do three shows up in, in uh, New Brunswick and Quebec and we're, you know, working with um, Carl Ouellette up there. This was back in, you know, I don't know, early nineties, you know? So I was like the go-to guy in the Northeast. You know, I did, you know, I had one of the last matches in the Boston, the old Boston garden with Owen Hart and Russell Hakushi there on a live event. And so I was like, I knew there was something, you know? So, and, and like you said, it was like, so those like that berserker match, my first match was August 19th of 91. Yeah. And that berserk that was with the Beverly brothers. And then that, you know, the berserker was, I think my second match there. So if you go, okay, 91, we're in 2000 to 21, that's 30 years, you know? So it's been awesome. Like it's, I feel like I've gone through a divorce, but a divorce that <laughs> yeah. ends well, you know, it's like, you don't want to go out and like badmouth somebody, but um, it's just time to move on. Sure. Right. I think it was JJ Dillon. I spoke to, and we did a couple of shows uh, a few years ago and, I had mentioned that a lot of people would often say they, they'd book people against Sean Waltman, and if they couldn't have a good match with Sean Waltman, hit the bricks. And J.J. Dillon said, well, we would do that with Scott Taylor a lot, too. Really? If they couldn't have a good match with Scott Taylor, they probably don't have any business being in the ring to begin with, yeah, that's much really less cool. for us. So, I mean, like you, had, you were on TV tons of times. When was it you first signed your first WWE deal? I had always heard it was after you did a couple of ECW spots, and they were like, no, no, come on in now. Well, so here's the story on that. Uh, WWE was recording Raw in Lowell, Massachusetts on a Thursday night because it was going into the Christmas break. So their yeah. pre-shoot, they were taping it on a Thursday. Friday and Saturday, I was scheduled to work for ECW in Massachusetts. So I left on Thursday, stopped into Lowell, 
and ask to speak to Bruce Pritchard. I just want to give him a heads up. Hey, I'm going to do this tryout deal with ECW. Maybe thinking maybe, okay, this will push them to maybe yeah. sign me finally. So I said, hey, I saw Bruce Pritchard, who was the head of talent relations at the time. And I said, yeah, can I talk to you? He said, I can't right now, but I want to talk to you. Can we talk next week? And uh, so I went, I did two days uh, of ECW working Taz and the fact the first match dreamer and Taz brought me into this room. I said, Hey, we want to do something with you. Um, and there were a couple different ideas they threw out there. And, uh, I said, can I let you know next Wednesday, Bruce Pritchard wants to talk to me. And, you know, I mean, what's Bruce want to talk to me about, like, you know, so, so I, I talked to Bruce the following Wednesday and today hey, we're starting this light heavyweight division and we'd like to, to sign you. So that was it, man. And, and I'd also, at the time tony rumble was booking guys for for nitro and like so all within like that two-week time frame uh rumble had asked me to go to nitro then i get the the wwe thing the ec it was it was crazy it was a crazy time dude like yeah you know like that time in wrestling was was cool i feel like we're on the bubble of that again you know a, a different version of it different version but so I know that you had worked Taz in those two ECW matches. Like, did he remember you from working him like four oh, years yeah. before? Yeah, no, we had known each other because we were working for like ICW Savoldi around the Northeast. So we had, I, I worked, I've been going through old videotapes and I have matches with Taz like in high schools, you know, old Taz, Taz yeah. Maniac with a face paint and, and working. Um, there was a little company that was running out of Wallingford, Connecticut. They would do, we probably wrestled 10 times before those WWF matches. I love so we, that. yeah, we knew each other well. Yeah. I love that. That is, that is so cool. And you ended up working Sabu, which a lot of people don't realize Sabu had like a, a WWF tryout way back then either, but you wrestled him a couple times, if I remember. Yeah, I believe it was two days in a row. I know one was Poughkeepsie. It might have been like Poughkeepsie, White Plains. No, uh, it was Poughkeepsie in Burlington, Vermont. Yeah. Yeah, and we went out there and it was like, who I've watched him since. And it's like, oh my God, we did so much. We did so much. And he, he did a Frankensteiner off the top, I remember. And, Scott, and the Steiner brothers were there at the time. <laughs> The Steiner, you have Scott Steiner doing a regular Frankensteiner. And, you know, I don't know the Steiner brothers. I know just know their reputation at the time where they would just kill guys, you know. And and uh, I was like, oh, my God, somebody wants to do a Frankenstein off the top while Scott Steiner's in the back. Oh, he's going to kill me. You know? How did that, did Scott say anything to anybody? No, he never said it. He never said anything. Maybe but, he wasn't watching. That's the only explanation yeah, probably, probably, I have. Probably, right. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? They've always been awesome with me, actually. Like, Brian and I worked the Steiners on a, a Hermie Sadler show in the Carolinas, uh, the Carolinas after, right after I left WWE in 07. And I was terrified. Like uh, my back was jacked up at the time, could barely walk. And I get them all working the Steiners. I'm like, oh, and I didn't really know them. And uh, Scott Steiner came up to me and he's like, ah, I, I heard your back's messed up. And, and I was like, yeah, he goes, all right. He goes, what do I have to do to take the worm? And I was like, oh, my God, if Scott Steiner can volunteer to take the worm, pretty much anybody can take the worm, you know? So he, those guys were great with me, man. I love it. I love it. Uh, I know we're jumping all over the place here, but, uh, like, when you're at the Performance Center and you're coaching and stuff, you know, I hear about, like, PC live matches and stuff like that. Are you actively getting in, working, like, practice matches with people? Like, is that a thing that happens? Like, I'm so interested in this process. No, I never had a match. I never took a bump in a, in, a, in a ring the whole time I was there as a coach. Oh, wow. They didn't want they didn't want that. Um, 
they actually wouldn't clear me to do that because okay. I had my neck fused five, six, seven was fused. So they said, okay, you can coach, but you can't bump uh, because of the neck thing. And then they brought back Rhino and, and Kurt Angle who had yes. the same deal. So I don't and know edge. you go figure, but it's one and of those. Edge. And, and, and Lita yeah, worked yeah. a match and yeah. 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 <laughs> so, um, yeah. So I never did. Um, I would get it. I would kind of do some of the drills, crisscross drills and some of the cardio stuff with them. But, um, you know, and punch, you know, I was, I was one of the coaches that worked a lot with punches and strikes with, okay. with the guys and girls. Um, but no, I never, I did. A, it's, it's so crazy. Like five years under contract, not once did they use me in a, in a, I don't know, like, and, and dude, I'm pretty honest with myself. Like, I know I wasn't a top guy, but I feel like there's, there was something, especially sure. when you have Otis, Otis out there doing the worm and you got a guy who, who that was his thing in the back. Who's his coach. You did like, I don't know. It feels like a missed opportunity. It's, it's an easy reaction because everybody knows who you are. So as I mentioned that, like I was, I, I want to talk a bit about the Royal rumble later, but I'll go ahead and ask you now. We've got Sean Waltman saying, book me. I want to do the rumble. Like if they, yeah. if they took a look at what you did this weekend or, or over the next month and they said, Hey, come do the rumble. Would you do that? Yeah, I mean, I have nothing against it. Like, like, dude, that's they, they, I grew up a WWF fan. I'm, sure. I'm still a fan. You know, I want the best for, for everybody. Um, but I've been, I was there for five years and available for five Rumbles and nobody said yeah. anything. You know, they tend to use the same people over and over and over. But I, I don't know. Like, it's, it was a weird thing, you know? So I am working on a Royal Rumble feature, and you had some some pretty memorable moments that I want to get your your memories on. The one that, that so many of us remember is the MSG moment, and that's just got to right. be like the coolest thing. You're in there with right. your tag team partners, your friends, you're dancing. Then of course Rikishi eliminates you. But right, do you remember the process of being told how that was going to come together and and all that? Because occasionally we see those entertaining moments, Ernest Miller in '04, but this this is the one that stands out. Yeah, it was, I mean, I think that was definitely a career highlight. You know, if you look back, like, I'm a, it's the Royal Rumble, you know, it's Madison Square Garden, it's sold out, it's in the peak of the Attitude Era, like, and we just stopped the Rumble to do the dance and blow the roof off the place. Like, it's, not, it's one of those things, you go, okay, nobody can ever take this away from us. Like, we had this magical moment out there that was awesome. And I can remember, I didn't know about it till the day of the Rumble, and I walked in and I saw the the lineup on the wall and i can remember pat patterson explaining it to us right he was he was there like right at that moment he kind of gave us a rough rough idea about what was going to happen but um you know it's it's one of those things when it happens even you know when he's telling you you don't realize you know 20 something years later it's it's gonna be set still such a cool thing right i i love it and then there was another moment and uh, one of the first wrestling seminars i ever went to one of the pieces of advice was you don't have to bump to put somebody over. No. And then there was the Undertaker Maven situation and your yep. facial reactions put over everybody in the ring to me. I watched that yeah. again recently and I was like, that that just made Undertaker look even even more menacing. It, right. it made you look smarter because you're like, what what should I be doing here? And it yeah. made yeah. what happened to Maven accelerate even more. Because right. this veteran that we have seen in the ring with all kinds of people is like, that's pretty messed up. Yep. What was that like for you? Uh, please explain anything that went into preparing for that or anything behind the scenes of like instructions 
or, or anything so there were like two that. so i don't know I, there's there were two royal rumble with moments with taker because yeah. it was i came out with maven yes but then there was the when kane my music one. hit kane and undertaker were the only two guys standing yes. in the ring staring down the aisle at me um so, oh, so yeah maybe that was the one where where kane was in there and and you were yeah. like eh, should i be yeah, doing this i usually this? come out dancing and jumping I around and i just kind of walked yeah. out yeah the thing about i always had a regret with the i mean it played out perfectly but i felt like it could have been even better with kane and undertaker when i finally got in there i pulled out two pairs of yellow glasses like i wanted them to dance you know and they just goozled me and choke slammed me but who knows it turned out awesome anyways but yeah it's, it's crazy to think back like i really probably was in the royal the royal rumble all the rumbles i was in a combine of like a minute but they were pretty cool moments right and then there was the one where you got attacked by Muhammad Hassan before yeah, you could right. even get yeah. into the Royal Rumble. Um, yeah, I, I think I, th I, think I may have mixed. Think, Go ahead, sorry. I think wasn't that the same one with with when uh, Maven eliminated Taker or not? No, no, no. I guess it wasn't. Hassan it was, a was o, Hassan was o five. Uh, Maven and Taker, I believe, was o one. I o one yeah, or o two. That sounds right. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Crazy. So I'm still in one of those rumbles, right? Because I never actually got in there. So I did a feature, I want to say like five years ago, where I took all the people who had like not made it to the rumble or eliminated themselves or had been eliminated by somebody who was already eliminated. And like your name came up several times and I was like, man, that poor guy. Yeah. He, <laughs> within storyline, that guy got screwed. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but you know what? If I had just gone out there and stayed in there for 15 minutes with none of that, nobody would remember any of it. I see. You know, I, that's the crazy yeah. part, right? I would have loved if they did a thing where it's like, well, Scotty didn't make it to the ring in 05. Give him like a title match on SmackDown. That would have been like an easy thing right. to do right, right there. Right. Uh, another feature I'm working on that I'd love to I, – I, I never know if there's any stories. It's always hit or miss. I always hear about Vince McMahon trying to physically wrestle people. Did you ever witness it? No, I've heard that too, and I never, I've never seen it. Yeah. Interesting. I've had, yeah, I've had Kurt Angle say he shot a double leg on him. Kofi yeah. Kingston was encouraged by Chris Jericho to be like, "We got to fight," because yeah. he said that's the only way Vince would respect him. And then Bobby Lashley said that Vince will sometimes pummel underhooks in on him and try that's to like funny. get in on him, which I think is funny. That's funny, huh? Did you? Yeah, have, I've heard the stories too. Did you have much interaction with him this past run? Because I know a lot of your work was at the Performance Center. None. He I, I mean, maybe. So he came to the um, he came to the uh, performance center one time the whole time I was there. Was that the most recent uh, time? Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Maybe six months ago, and uh, I was always the guy in the talent meetings. I would or any meeting in life, really. I was sit in the back row and not want to be seen. Yeah. You know, and uh, I was like, he came there. He, you know, he gave a speech and. I was like, you know what? I'm going to sit in the front row and I'm going to be the first one to ask a question because I feel like I have a legitimate question. Yeah. Right. So uh, he, you know, because they're always going out and doing these tryouts for all these athletes, you know, NFL and Major League Baseball and, you know, everything but, you know, bowlers and golfers pretty much they're hiring. Right. So I said, to, and I'd had this idea for a while where um, like Broadway shut down, all of these live shows around the world shut down. Right. And all these people, performers were out of work. So I said to Vince, you know, I was one first, I asked the second question. I said, we're always doing these tryouts for these athletes. 
is there has there any thought to doing a, a, a tryout specifically designed for these live theater performers? Because yeah. I can remember going to see it was Lion King on Broadway. And yes. there were these dudes swinging around up on the stage. They're shredded. They look like athletes. They were probably athletes at some point in their life, got hurt, and then fell into theater. Or maybe they just looked like an athlete. Mason, Mason Ryan put, went from wrestling to Cirque du Soleil. That's it, right? So that's what we do. We're live event performers um, who react off crowds. And, and so you would take these people who look like athletes, but they understand the importance of the theatrical part. Because sometimes that's a hard thing to teach, uh, uh, say, like a football player who's been sure. been taught, hey, just win, 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 get that ball in that end zone. You don't worry about the crowd. Whereas somebody who's done, you know, a show every single day, two shows on the weekends, they might understand. So so I said, is there any thought to do in a, an open tryout for these people? And his answer was, uh, we are not actors. Wow. We react. We react. And I was like okay, I guess that's dead in the water. You know, <laughs> even though we have acting class and promo class and bringing in acting coaches, we're not actors. So it's interesting. I thought it was a, I thought it was a good point, but, but I don't think he knew who I was. I honestly don't know. Who they, I, you know, I'm sure he got my reports that, you know, the live event sure. reports go out to everybody. I'm sure he got those that I would write with the name Scott Garland on there, but I don't know if he knew that I was the guy that played this Scotty too hot. He cares. I mean, I posted that tweet. Like you look younger now than you did in 99. So he might not believe it, but you do look significantly different. It was never, I never got any um, feeling that he knew who I was. You know, I I remember I I saw him in, um, in Toronto. We had a, uh, we had a, um, a takeover in Toronto and we went to the, I think it was Survivor Series. A bunch of us went to that. And I saw him in the back. He just happened to be coming out of his office as I was walking by. I shook his hand, but I don't know if he knew who I was. And then the only other interaction was that time at the Performance Center. Yeah. So I, I honestly, did it, for most of that time, it was, it was good just to fly under the radar and just, do, just be left alone and do my job, you know, but. Well, the way Gallows tells it, like he doesn't believe that that Vince knew he was Festus either. Like he doesn't think <laughs> probably, that. yeah, yeah. That meeting was shortly before NXT 2.0 became a thing. Like, was that the purpose right. of it, or do you remember like a specific purpose? I just remember getting all kinds of messages from people being like, "Vince and Bruce are coming to the Performance Center, and that doesn't happen." Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it was like eggshells around there before it happened. Nobody really knew why they were coming, and then. You know, Hunter told us it was a good thing and, you know, he just wants to talk to us and kind of give us his direction on where he wants to go with this thing. And then all of a sudden it changed. I don't, I don't know. It's, 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 it was hard to, it was hard to go through. It was hard. We had such a cool thing with such a cool NXT was such a cool vibe to it and everybody worked so hard and, and made it. You know, I keep saying that we are NXT was not just a, a a marketing hashtag or slogan. Like that was a real thing. Like you know, the Garganos, Champas, Coles. You know, all those guys. Me, like we believed that. Like we were proud to be part of NXT. You know, we would roll into WrestleMania weekend or SummerSlam weekend and and steal the weekend. Yeah. You know, those guys, guys and girls would go out there and deliver and 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 deliver a product that that WrestleMania just couldn't keep up with or SummerSlam couldn't keep up with, you know? And I think that the formula was beautiful. It was five matches. 
about a two hour, two hour, 20 minute show. So digestible. So easy to watch. Uh, so good. And, you know, then you watch WrestleMania the next day and it's eight hours long. Like, there's nothing in the world that I yeah. want to do for eight hours. You know? Much less if I'm there live. Like you've got right. to eat two right. or three meals at WrestleMania. Mm -hmm. And yep. I, I'm so glad yep. they split it up into multiple nights. Yeah, but, me too. Me too. Uh, we, what did you think of NXT 2.0? Obviously, you, you worked around there for a bit there, and some people love it, and some people just loathe it. I think the idea, the idea behind it is, is good. It's going to give a lot of younger people an opportunity to um, show, get, get, get seen and be shown. You know, I feel like for, for a guy like a Kona Reeves or a Wesley Blake or some of those guys who never really got um, the chance on the old one, the opportunity, like this would be such a great time for those guys, you oh, know, I, but I would do a little trick where anytime I'd hear a guest coach came in, I'd hit him up afterwards and I'd be like, who'd you like? Kona's yeah. name came up a lot. All the time. I, I will never understand that one, man. I was gutted on that. Like, I mean, here you got a, you got a six foot something Jack Hawaiian kid who can work. And you can't find something to do with him. Like, yeah, and he's a good dude, man. And he works so hard. Like, yeah, he was there, what, six, seven years. But he was a kid when he came in there. And he's a man when he leaves. I just watched him grow up. And it was, it was, hard, to, it was hard to see. And, and you know, then that, that, I think, back to what played in my decision to ask for my release, it was seeing that start to happen. You know, and these guys, like, how do you let them go? But you're going to hire this person who doesn't even know you know, ask them who Savio Vega is, Yokozuna is. They don't even know who that person is, you know, yeah. but you're going to give them an opportunity over a guy like Kona Reeves. It just, it was frustrating, you know? When when I saw them let go of guys like Kona Reeves or EJ and Duca, I'm like, I don't really know yeah. what they want anymore. And even on the yeah. main roster, when they let go of a Braun Strowman, I go, what, what are they after? What exactly yeah. is it that yeah. they desire now? Yeah, EJ's another guy who was like inspiring for me to go out there and do. I saw him leave, and he was in my class a, a lot, and I saw him grow and and like to see him go out there. And he's going to Mexico and you know working for MLW and doing great up there. It just looks like he's having fun, you know. And he's 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 self promoting himself, which is so it's just awesome, you know. So, if you're not self promoting yourself as an independent wrestler these days, you're 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 missing something. You know, with social media, it gives you, that was why I opened the, the YouTube channel. Like I have all this stuff that I want to be able to put out there. Found all of these old, you know, VHS tapes with these matches with Taz and Perry Saturn on independent shows before anybody knew who any of us were that I want to be able to put up there as well as new stuff going forward as I go out and get back out on the road again. And, you know, it might not even be wrestling stuff. I'm like, hey, here's three minutes of my time in, in the UK this weekend. Like, if you want to watch it, check it out. Like, I I saw one you posted with Justin Credible uh, last week. Yeah. Last yeah. week, who, former Aldo Montoya, uh, PJ Walker. Like, yep. and it's a good, like, solid 15 minutes of work yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it just, you know, the YouTube channel just gives me a chance, a place to put that stuff, you know, with something that's 15, 20 minutes long. And I don't have to do it. I, I, I upload it. And, I, you know, if I want to say something, I can. You know, if I want to voice over it, I can. I don't want to do a lot of editing to it. Sure. Some of this stuff, I just want to throw it up there. So at least it's it's safe. You know, I get it off these VHS tapes and, and put it out there. So do you, do you have watch. to convert that? Like, how does that work? I do. Yeah, I convert it over. And then uh, I, what happened, Sean, was I, I, uh, 
I had all of these home movies with my kids, you know, and all yeah. the little mini tapes. So I bought this converter and I had like 50 of these tapes because I wanted to have saved. And I, and I made a private YouTube channel for my family and started uploading all these. And then I've, you know, come across all these VHS tapes with all this stuff that I've interviews and matches and, you know, from all the way back to my first match in 89. And that was my first upload, you know, and as soon as I uploaded it, that very first match, I only have it on the original VHS tape. I uploaded it, and when it, it automatically ejected from the VCR, and the tape was all mangled. Oh, no. So I, at least I got it. Yeah, I got it on the on digital. So. Oh, my gosh. We definitely encourage people to, to check that out because I, I loved it when I saw the, the Just Incredible one. I was like, oh, this yeah. is awesome because there's yeah. so many of those people, as you mentioned, that you worked before WWE yeah. or WWF. I have an independent match from somewhere in Massachusetts with um, Hakushi oh. that I didn't even remember doing, but I'm going through this stuff and I'm like, what the, what, like, and I, and I, I need to put that up there too, you know? I love it. I love it. Uh, we'll kind of go back to NXT because I'm very fascinated as to what your mentality was when, for example, it's maybe June or something and Adam Cole himself thinks his contract is up in five months. They walk up to him and they say, hey, bud, your contract's up in three days. Pete Dunn, too. Pete Dunn resigned. Uh, but I know at one point there was an expectation that O'Reilly, Gargano, Cole's deals would be up within a couple weeks of each other in December. But all of a sudden, your top star on NXT is just not, not going to be there anymore. What was, yeah. what was that like even finding that out? Dude, I didn't. So I didn't know. Like, I didn't know. Um until I, I didn't know till after Cole was gone. Like I did it. I saw him, you know, I saw him before the match, his last match. And, you know, somebody said, Oh, you know, he's, he's pretty upset before he went out there. And then he came back and I saw, he looked like he was upset. You know, like Regal was talking to him over in the corner. And I was like, I don't, you know, I don't know what's going on. Like we were kept in the dark on a lot. Yeah. You know, everything was very hush hush there. And then like, I didn't know until after he was gone, you know, and, uh, for sure. And like, even though, even when, you know, even with Gargano, is he gone? Is he, is he not gone? Like, I don't know. You know, I see he opens his, his pro wrestling piece store. So I go, okay, I assume he's gone, but <laughs> it's, but even when I was there, it was, it was like that, you know? I'm also interested uh, over the years, I'm sure that, that you had plenty of interactions with him, but Kevin Dunn is a guy that we hear a lot about, but we don't see a lot of. Right. I know that he came by a couple times around NXT 2.0 to help production kind of learn some things, but any interactions you specifically remember with him? Because he's a fascinating guy to a lot of people. Yeah, I never I never saw him. I, I heard he was there yeah. one day at NXT, but I never saw him there. Um, he was always okay with me. Like, you know, we had very little interaction, but he was always, always okay with me. Nothing, uh, nothing, nothing bad, you know, but I, I never saw him there. Like, but it's 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 kind of so the production at NXT right now the production room is actually set up in another building and with COVID they were they weren't having us uh, intermingle so interesting yeah that, I mean he's he's one of those guys I've heard people compare him to the Wizard of Oz like you hear him like over the speakers sometimes yeah but you don't yeah. always see him and all that yeah and he's like you go back and you watch like that early like primetime stuff you see his name in the credits so he's been there for forever right another thing that i've always loved about scotty tuhati and grandmaster sexy when i would play those video games when i was younger they would have like the default stance 
you all yeah. would dance by default. Like, really? <laughs> you all would That's just funny. be like this the whole That's time. Funny. Like when you stand. Yeah. What kind of work did you need to do for the video games? Did you do like scans? Did you do voiceovers? Was it or anything, or did they just create that on their own? I didn't do anything for the video games. Like we did the uh, action figures. You know, they would yeah. scan our heads for the action figures. But I don't remember ever doing anything for the uh, the video games. It's funny because they would for the for the um, action figures. They would want to scan my head, but they would want the worm face. You know, the face that I make right before I, after I hit the bulldog. And I could never do it just like cold. It has to be in the moment, you know? So I didn't try, but it's funny. So I would assume if you didn't know about the stance, you're not like a big gamer. I'm not, but my son is, you know, and we got, they sent us, um, what was the last one we were on? Uh, 2K13, I think was the last time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm so I'm surprised I like didn't do any face scans or anything for that. That's that's fascinating to me because yeah, maybe I don't know. It's possible that they do them in that action figure truck. I don't know. Yeah, that that could happen. So as we we talk about this match with Janela, which by the time people have seen this has happened, this is your first match in like what five years? Yeah, it'll be August of 2016 was my last match. It was Brian and I in a tag match in West Virginia on an independent show. But it, yeah, it'll be my first. So almost like five and a half years. I was I was about to ask that. So I mean, this is your first match without Brian. Obviously, that's that's a great yeah. loss. That that that's right. terrible. But I mean, how how were you feeling? I don't want to say like when when that kind of came about. But you're going to be navigating these waters, and and Brian's not going to be there anymore. Right. I did it, but I did do a lot. I did a lot uh, without him yeah. on my in the last independent run. You know, I was, I was back on the independence for 10 years before coaching with WWE. Um, and I did a lot. So um, it, it'll be fine. You know, um, I'll, I'll do, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Like more than, more than I ever have, like, I'm just like just super excited. And I, I don't know, there's just like this new energy to it all. Like yeah. just get excited to get back out there. And maybe, you know, part of it's like, Hey, I only have, I'm pretty realistic with myself. Like I only have so many years left. I'm 48 this year, you know, but I feel like I'm in pretty much the best shape of my life. You know, if not just as good a shape as I ever was and I've been training hard for it. And uh, if I wasn't, I wouldn't be doing it, you know, and I'm okay playing a 48 year old wrestler. Like yeah. what, like with WWE now, it's like, oh, you gotta be, it's all this young, young thing, young thing, young thing. And it's like, now there's like, there's some cool old dudes out there. Like yeah. Clint Eastwood's pretty cool dude. Like George Clooney's a pretty cool <laughs> dude. You know, like, like some of these guys, like, why don't we use that in wrestling? I'm okay with being, Hey, you know what? He's 48. What's going to happen? Can he go with a 23 year old? I think there's a, there's a entertaining element to that. And Rocky, Rocky was based you, on that the last couple of goes around. That, that's it right like it can play story-wise it can play in and i'm okay accepting that like we're so we're so afraid to tell our age in this because we've been so like conditioned to like when's the last time you heard rick flair say how old he was or hogan say how old he was and and you know i'm okay with the character even um of course you know wwe owns a character so i'm okay with it evolving like what would scotty tuhati look like 20 years later like, I don't know if I, and I've toyed with that idea over the last month or so, like, how am I going to present this? You know, do I go back to how I looked in 20, in 2000? Like that crossed my mind for like a minute. And I, and I, I honest, to be honest with you, I tested the lookout. I could still do the hair. I can do the mustache, but it feels like. Buck, bucket hats feel. are back in. 
well, the bucket hats are back in, um, but but like it just felt a bit cringy to go back and be a 48 year old guy dressing like I did when I was 27. Sure. So I, I think the smarter route is to, like, dude, Chris Jericho is the master of it. He's evolved over the years to many different characters. And I think, I think the audience, especially the independents, the independent audience will appreciate an evolving character more than they will. Oh, this guy's just coming in and riding off what he did 20 years ago to take the check and leave. I don't want to be that guy. Don't the, want to there be is that an guy. entertaining thought to Scotty Too Hottie at 48 being like, hello, fellow kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, of course, some people want to see the worms. So you have to give yeah. them what they paid to see. And, and there's a fine line. Like there's, there will be certain times. Okay. They, you know, they want to see this character. I don't know if like uh, a, a company like a GCW, that's what they want. I think they'll appreciate sure. the evolving character more than they will. Just, okay. Here's the nostalgic thing, you know? And Scotty Tuhati is so ingrained as WWE. That's what got Matt Cardona over as a heel so much there. Is because right. he was so right. much the WWE guy that people are like, right. no, piss off. That's not what we want. And right. it, it got him over. <laughs> Do you think there's any possibility of a revolt? Because, I mean, right now, you've got so many people that love you and respect you. And they're like, hell yeah. Right. But right. do you think there's like, do you see like maybe a heel, a menacing Scotty Tuati in the future? I've, well, I thought about that, you know, and I, and uh, so in 2008, I went, I just left WWE in 2007 and they booked me for ring of honor in LA. Oh. And I knew I was going to be the anti, I was going to be the, the Matt Cardona at that point. Right. Whereas now I feel like I'm far enough removed that it's a nostalgia, a bit of a nostalgia thing. And so these GCW fans, I think, are, and I'm hoping, are older, and they go, oh, there's a piece of my childhood that I'm going to get to see in person that I never thought I would get to see as as an adult. Do you know what I'm saying? It's not like I'm fresh out of WWE. And I think, honestly, dude, like this was a part of me walking away on my own is going to play into all of this. Because I walked away... Uh, because I didn't like what was going on. And I think they'll appreciate that because a lot of them don't like what's going on right now, what they're seeing. Uh, and I walked away with no real plan B other than hopes that this... This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you had an extra hour in your day, what is the first thing that you would do? Read a book, take a nap, play some video games, do something for a friend, volunteer... A lot of us spend our lives wishing that we had more time. But the question is, time for what? And if it was unlimited, how would you go about using it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important for you and to make it a priority. And therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is so valuable. It's gotten me through some tough times, really helped me reflect on things that are important, specifically with better help. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be the convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. This is so beneficial when you've got that crammed schedule and you can't even imagine finding that extra hour. You can do it all from home. Fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Fightful today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Fightful. 
It's so flexible and it can help you find that social sweet spot with BetterHelp. That's BetterHelp.com slash Fightful. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. What I'm going to do is going to take off. You know, I'm not a guy who made uh, millions and millions and and I can just uh, live off of that. I still have to go out and work. And and um, I, I keep saying, like, you know, you, you know, plan A was pretty bad when there was no solid plan B, <laughs> you know, like. Um, but I think I can make it work and the, and the feedback and everything has been like 99% positive. And I think, you know, with a good showing at GCW, like things are only going to pick up and, you know, I have a solid, uh, uh, couple weeks booked in March in the UK and, uh, there's, there's so many different possibilities now and, you know, just get out there, stay, stay busy and have fun, Sean. That's like, that's my like I wasn't having fun. I'm going to go have fun. And like my kids are, are uh, 17 and 20 now. So they get to be a part of it. They're excited. They played into a huge part of the decision to do this whole thing. Like and they get to take them and, 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 you know, see their dad wrestle. It's pretty cool. You know, I, can and I know talk- my son's listening to me right now. So, <laughs> uh-huh. well, I, I could talk to you all day about wrestling, but I'm not going to take up too much of your time. Cause I do want to do this again. Cause this has been eye opening and fantastic couple more things that I want to ask, man, when, when I, uh, had, had posted the story, when Fightful posted the story that, that you had, you had made that statement that you were leaving WWE, I saw a lot of people reference the Malenko match. And all mm-hmm. I got to say is the Malenko match, because yeah. that opened a lot of people's eyes to Scotty too who had just seen the dancing and all that. And they were like, Oh my God, this guy can go. And it's with Malenko. Yeah. Did you know, like, in that moment that, like, something special was happening? Because you all, there were, I I remember specifically, there was, like, this white hot streak because there was a 10-man tag in, I think it was a February Raw that nobody talks about anymore, and it was unbelievable. And then you have this match at Backlash. Like, did you know as that match was going on, like, this is something special? I didn't because I remember being that it was in Washington, DC and, and, you know, getting together with Dean that day and like kind of talking stuff out and like, we really didn't have a whole lot. We'd wrestled so many times Yes. to that point. It felt like we kind of missed the boat on the whole match. We, I mean, we were like on whatever the velocity or sh- whatever the yeah. that Saturday night shotgun Saturday night slot was at that time, whatever it was called metal or velocity or jacked. There's been so many times it's rebranded over the years, but um, we we must have wrestled like every week we would get to TV when we wrestling again. So by the time we got the backlash, um, it really didn't even feel special. But like you said, 20 years later, that's the match that everybody talks about. And uh, the finish that everybody talks about was that DDT off the top. Like oh, yeah. I dodged a bullet, man. I dodged a bullet that day. Like I was lucky. So ahead of that, like D- and you all are like, okay, top rope DDT. That's how, that's how we're going to go. Had you taken one like that before? No, and never again. Actually, <laughs> when I came back through the curtain, Linda McMahon was standing there. And she pulled me aside. She said, "Don't ever do that again." Linda, Linda McMahon said people. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was, that was sick. Like I seriously, I feel like I dodged a bullet because if you look at that, like you go, there's no way I didn't break my neck. And, and I mean, I did have neck surgery the next year, so that may have played into it. I don't know. So maybe you did. Cause we, we often hear about people who don't know that they've broken their neck or started the process of breaking yeah. their neck until it's too late. I remember one right. of the bulls said that he came back through the curtain and he was like, I need to pop my neck. And then they're yeah. like, uh, you broke your neck, buddy. Yeah. Crazy. Oh. Right. My God. Yeah, but it was a cool match. So Dean and I were like, um, I think it was it was just a perfect combination. And it's, it's I think it sums up pro wrestling, right? If you had Dean Malenko versus Dean Malenko, it's eh, okay. If you have yes. Scotty Duhati versus Scotty Duhati, eh, well, but when you take black against white and two different things, that's where the interest comes to me. And that's part of the art of like, you know, and I think as we grew up, you see all of these larger than life characters who you, I want to see this guy wrestle that guy. And like, that's what makes it fun. But when everything becomes one way, um, it's styles it make fights. Gets, that's it. Like, and I think back, you know, to the territory days, you have all these territories coming to the WWF, right? So you have all these different styles and characters meshing, which made it fun. Now everybody's been. The, the negative of the performance center is everybody's being trained under one roof by eight to 10 of the same people. So it's basically all the same style. And I think you lose something in that, man. I cannot wait to talk to you again. As we wrap up one Royal rumble that I didn't ask you about. And I forgot about, and a lot of people do you were in a tag team Royal rumble in 1998. Do you remember this? It's Kane and mankind won it. Really? What was that on? It was on Raw, and I went back and I, I watched every Royal Rumble, and I completely forgot about this. It was like the Headbangers and Midnight Express and you and Brian, and they did. It was like a top contender for the tag title. Like, do you remember anything about that? I don't even remember the match, Sean. Oh my it's gosh, crazy! I'm gonna have to send that to you, and next time we'll we'll talk about it because I do one of these features on the Rumble every year. But yeah. I I looked at that and I was like, man, like. Anything to pop a number, I guess, but <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. There's a lot of cool stuff that I did with cool, like, like you go, how do I not remember yeah. that? Like I see something with the rock and I go, how do I not remember doing this with the most famous person on the planet? You're doing it you every day of I mean? your life. <laughs> well, that's what it was because at the time it was okay. Monday night, raw, shoot the show, uh, shoot SmackDown on Tuesday you know, fly home on Wednesday. The last thing I want to do is go back and watch wrestling on my two days off. And then we'd go back out Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday again. So at that time, it's just a hundred miles an hour and you don't really have time to stop and appreciate that stuff. Yeah. I think, you know, well guys, we encourage you to check out Scott's YouTube channel. I love it. Uh, I, I saw it and I immediately hit him up and I was like, I gotta, I gotta talk to him about all this. Uh, we have him, we have his uh, Twitter handle as it's still at the Scotty too hottie. Correct. WWE is supposed to be changing that and they haven't, they did change my Instagram for me to the, the Scott Garland. Okay. Supposed to be changing the Facebook. And uh, so I don't, I think it's probably just on Twitter's end that they haven't got around to it. But. Uh, we'll, we'll throw up Scott Garland just in case, like we'll, we'll take care go. of you. We got, you go. We're going to have links to his YouTube below, but tell the people where else they can find you, where else they can support you and check out what you're doing. It's all, you know, all Facebook. I'm on Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, the, the YouTube channel, like you said, um, and dude, like I, I genuinely mean this, like I'm at a point in my life where it's so cool to, to meet people and ha have people come out. And, and now you're getting like, you're getting fathers bringing their kids out and like, uh, and with YouTube, like people can go back and watch all of this old stuff. So like, I, I genuinely enjoy meeting 
people. So I'm excited to get back out there and do the meet and greets and do the shows and, 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 and get to meet people again. So um, please come out and whether it's a, you know, a show or a signing or whatever, just come out and say hello. It's I do appreciate it. Well, I hope we get to do this again because I've got a million other things I could ask you. Anytime, uh, man. I Anytime. Mean, Thirty years in, and this is the first time I got to interview you. So uh, yeah, we, we've got plenty of plenty of source material, guys. Check it out. Support Scott Garland. Until next time, guys. We're out.